Just today, I received a call from someone crying out, help me, I'm drowning. Do you feel like you're drowning? Overwhelmed, inundated by the deluge of pressures, demands, expectations, being tugged in all different directions, especially today with so much confusion, polarization, distortions, even technology, which offers us so many gifts, can create information overload. All of us will experience in our lives times when we feel like we are flooded, like we are drowning in the raging floodwaters around us. What can you do about it? Please join me in this vital discussion. Help, I'm drowning, for methodologies, tools, resources to protect ourselves and actually grow through the floods that rage around us. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson. I welcome you. We will be speaking about a critical, important topic. Help, I'm drowning. This program is dedicated, happy birthday, to Ronald Hoffman. Do you ever feel like you're drowning in a deluge, inundated and overwhelmed by pressures, expectations, demands, tugging at us from all different directions. And you really cannot get your head above water. Especially today, with so much confusion and misinformation and distortions. You can really feel many times like you're just underwater, you can't get out of it. The daily routines that we're in, the things we must do or think we must do. Well, if you're feeling this way, or if you've ever felt this way, you'd want to hear the following words. I'd like to present timeless lessons that offer methods, methodologies, tools, and resources how to deal with that state of deluge when you feel completely overwhelmed. Yes, you feel that I need help. I'm drowning. And it goes back to an event that has become immortalized in the annals, a biblical story called The Great Flood. The Great Flood. The story in the second chapter of the Bible, of the Torah, where it talks about that God brings a flood on this earth due to its corruption, due to the pollution, due to the toxins, to cleanse the world. And he tells Noah and his sons and his family, build an ark to protect yourself from this great flood that will destroy everything around you. In this short story, which sounds so fantastical to so many, lies a tremendous amount of lessons 
that are relevant today more than ever in the 21st century in addressing exactly that, how to deal with the deluge, how to deal with a life that seems to surround us and submerge us and overwhelm us in the raging floodwaters, whether it's the pressures of making a living, whether it's psychological pressures internally, our fears, our insecurities, relationships which can be so complex, whether it's real or imagined. And even though today you can say, well, we live in such an advanced life, look at the technology. Technology itself can be a flood. It's called information overload, which is inundating us all the time, streaming into our psyches, into our consciousness. It's like an assault at times. So though it offers plenty of gifts, but also can equally be overwhelming. So what can you do? Do we lock ourselves up in a basement or do we travel to some mountain to escape all these floods, all these raging waters? A life of asceticism? Is that the only solution? So for many, what we do is called damage control. We compartmentalize, we find solutions, short-term solutions. Downtime, some people say, don't look at your mobile phone for a few hours. But it's almost impossible to avoid and definitely to sustain refraining from engaging in the world in which we live without feeling that overwhelming inundation. So here's the story. The word used for the ark, Noah's ark, is a Hebrew word called teva, tevat noach. Now in Hebrew, there are different words for an ark, a boat, ania, sfina, and teva. But teva is an interesting choice because teva in Hebrew also means a word. A word. Now what does a word have to do with an ark? Says the great mystic, the Baal Shem Tov, the 18th century master, Rabbi Yisroel Baal Shem Tov says, because when you're surrounded and overwhelmed by flooding rage waters, build a selacha, build for yourself words, sacred words that serve like an ark that protect you, insulate you. And not only do they protect you, you actually ride above the waves. And the more the waves grow, the more the raging floodwaters, the higher the ark is elevated. So let's analyze what this means in our personal lives. Because it carries within it practical lessons. Practical. Not just compartmentalizing damage control and other short-term solutions, but long-term solutions. So there's another expression that says raging waters cannot, cannot extinguish the fire in my soul. What that means is that each of us, whether we know it or not, has an, within us a powerful force. We'll call it a soul. I love Michelangelo's response when he was asked, 
How do you carve those angels in the marble? Those beautiful angels? Those exquisite, heavenly, celestial life forms? He responded, I see the angels trapped in the marble and I carved and carved and set them free. We each have inherent angels, flowers, beauty, songs within us. But they get trapped. They get trapped in the hoo-ha. They get trapped in the overwhelming forces of material life. We're thrust into this world. We're thrown into this world. If we're lucky and we're blessed, we grow up in a home, a nurturing home, which serves somewhat like an ark, which we'll talk about some more briefly. Nine months we spend in our mother's womb, again like an ark, protected. Protected from what? From the elements, from the forces, until we develop, or we should be developing resources and tools to be able to enter into a world that can be hostile, that can be demanding, that can be cruel, corrupt. But let's say we didn't develop those tools, or we didn't have that protective insulation, then you're going to feel overwhelmed again and again. There may be moments of respite. We find ways to escape. We find ways to get away from it all. But they're ultimately escapes. They're short-term comforts. To create a long-term comfort, to create a long-term oasis, is having an understanding that the forces around this world don't define or shape you. It's that inner soul that defines you. But that soul has been now thrust, has been put into a world, a material world. So what do you do about it? That's why we need to have something that protects that soul, that provides an insulation, that provides so-called immunity from being impacted, exactly as it is with an ark on the water. You build a boat, you build a ship, and that ship rides on the waves. Now you could say, one second, anything you put in the water sinks. But the ship is built in a certain way that's able to ride above the waters. This is one of the oldest technologies ever developed. Noah's Ark is maybe one of the first documented ones. What does this boat and ship do? It doesn't avoid the water. It actually rides on it. But it protects you from drowning, from being flooded. Says the Baal Shem Tov, what does that represent? That represents the words, the holy words that you surround yourself with. When a child indeed is in its mother's womb, or as young children, we're, being, we're growing up in a nurturing home. What is that home providing? Besides love, unconditional love and protection, it's a sense of security. It's a sense that the things that happen in the world around you, we are protecting you from. And even if they're beautiful things, but you have to know how to harness them. So you have your inner, inner hearth, that inner sanctum. When that's developed properly, that no matter what is going on around us, we are protected from. That's what sacred words do. It's just like when you listen to a song and you close everything off and you just transport it to another time and place. You're surrounded by the sound. They actually call it surrounded. The same thing is with holy and sacred and spiritual words. 
whether it's words that speak to our mind or words that speak to our heart. Words of Torah or words of prayer. Cognitive or emotional. These words take us to another place. They transport us to another place. And when you're informed by them and educated by them, that gives you the direction and the strength and the courage and the fortitude that no matter what is raging around you, you have your focus, your vision. So what is the solution? The solution is to develop your personal arc. Your personal words, the words that you read, the words that you study, the words that you sing, that allow you to have something to hold on to no matter what is going on in the world around you. But this was not told to us, so many of us are not even aware of this seemingly simple solution. Why is it not so simple? Because if we're not aware of it, that's the first problem. Number two, even if you are aware of it and you're already in the roller coaster, on the roller coaster of your life, it's very hard when you're going 90 miles an hour to suddenly build a boat, especially when there's a storm outside. That's why we have to do it as early as possible. And that's indeed why a child, before it enters in this world, has nine months. And we're told that during those nine months, not just the physiological and biological part of the child is developing, but also their spiritual, psychological, emotional, and cognitive faculties are developing. Indeed, there's a fascinating Talmudic statement that says that every child in its mother's womb, all the information it needs for life is being downloaded in it. All the words, all the ideas, because words, of course, are not just words. We're talking about words that convey ideas, feelings, vision, purpose. And then upon birth, we're made to forget consciously, but not superconsciously. So we have everything we need within us. The angel is right there within you. But now, you need to develop the language, the words, to reacquaint yourself with that which is, you were, was downloaded within you and build that. And that's called education. Education is not just about data and information and knowledge. It's about methodology. Not just the how to do things, but why we do it. Much of our education today is focused on utilitarian. Learn mathematics, business, science, history, literature. So you can be informed and then educate yourself to get a good job and make good money. But there's another side. How do you cultivate? How do you nurture the soul? So often our education is lacking that element. We may be excellent engineers and technicians and mechanics. But that's on a very basic functional level, even if it's brilliant. But that's knowledge. What do you use the knowledge for? We need words that help us understand the purpose of our lives. Where are we going? What's the mission of your life? And the earlier you teach a child that, the greater the arc you're building for them. So a child goes to school and they learn out of information. If they ask you, why am I learning this? Say, well, when you're knowledgeable, you'll be able to get a good job. But it's more than that. When you're knowledgeable, the knowledge is there. The purpose of it all, the purpose of it all is to fulfill the personal mission of your life, 
When you have that, everything else follows. So it's not that knowledge leads to purpose. Purpose leads to knowledge. That's sacred words. The sacred words provide us with a direction and guidance to ultimately fulfill our very purpose in this world, our mission statement. And it's those words, the stronger they are and the more abundant and the more they surround you, the more they will protect you, that you will not be defined by what is going on around you, but you will define it. You will not be a victim or product of circumstances, but you will be an influencer, a proactive force. That's what these words of the Ark, of the Teva, create. And that is the most single vital thing you can provide to your children. Now what about adults? Let's say we were not given the tools to build an Ark. It's never too late, because firstly you have your soul within you. It never goes away. Even the, as I said, the raging floodwaters do not extinguish the soul. The only thing is, you may have not had that hot start. It would have been good to get it in the early formative years. So begin now. Every day begin studying something spiritual. Words that nurture you. That bring out your best. That give you guidance and direction. And now again, I'm not talking about survival. I'm not talking about how to add and subtract and how to keep your books and how to run a good business. But the purpose of it all, the purpose of it all, how are you going to spiritualize the world in which you live, your environment? So it really comes down to a basic formula. You will either be influenced or you're going to influence. There's no third option. It's like the guy that said, I used to think I'm indecisive, but now I'm not so sure. No, there's no third option. You're either going to be influenced by the offense around you, the circumstances, and if it happens to be a flooding situation, you'll be flooded and, drown- and, and feel like you're drowning it there, or you become an influencer because you have, you're living a life from the inside out, not from the outside in. It's not the outer stimulation and stimuli that defines you. You define yourself, and then you express that through that stimulation. Someone's walking down the street and say, okay, I want to know who I am. Oh, I see one thing, I hear another, I smell, taste, touch. If that's going to define you, then it will ultimately also overwhelm you. But if you find your soul within and its purpose and mission, I am here, that wherever I walk, wherever I go, whatever environment I'm in, whatever my sphere of influence, I am here to spiritualize, to elevate, to bring kindness, generosity, virtue, light, illumination, and warmth into that cold and dark place, then wherever you go, that's your opportunity to shine, to express yourself. All that's provided by knowledge, spiritual knowledge, the holy words that are your ark. So you travel through the waters. We're not going off asceticism, off to some mountain, escaping somewhere. You're traveling through the waters. Very often they can be calm. But then they can get stormy, and they can rage, and they can be floodwaters. But you're not coming unarmed. You're in an ark. So it's not about not engaging in the world. It's going to work, doing everything you have to do. It's adding something, adding that extra layer of insulation that allows you to ride through it and not be hurt by it. 
Just to give an example, I remember after my book Toward a Meaningful Life was published. So I met many, many people I'd read the book and were influenced and impacted by it. One businessman in New York City reached out to me. Well-known businessman, actually. And he wanted to meet with me. We met, and he shared with me the following. He says, someone gave me a copy of your book. You know, I love to read. And this book really has made a tremendous impact on my life. He's a CEO of a very prominent company. He says, I'm known as a cutthroat shark. I'm ethical, but I'm tough in business. After reading your book, especially the chapters on business, on wealth, on charity, where it's suggested that even your work doesn't have to be a place of war. You can also refine it. And one of the ways to refine it is be charitable. Perhaps put a charity box on your desk, in your office, not on your home. In your home, many people in, at work, they're very tough. At home, they become like little lambs. But even in your office, you can also refine. You can also harness without compromising your business. So I did that. I put a charity box on my desk. And we have different level meetings, high level meetings. I meet all kinds of different investors and people and clients and, and so on. And I, they all see this charity box. And they see before a meeting, I put in a coin. And then I started suggesting that they do the same. At the end of the meeting, before the meeting. And it became a conversation piece. What is this exactly? This, we don't know you as such a person. And we say, yes, well, I am happen to be this type of person. It's not a contradiction to our negotiations and our discussions. He says it changed the entire climate, the entire interactions, and created much deeper trust because they started seeing me as a human being, not just as an ad- adversary, a business advers- adversary. And then I purchased several cases of your book, and I keep it in my office, and I give it out to the people. What, what does this capture? What is this... Uh, tell us, he did not change his business. What he did was he built an arc that, that life is not just defined by our tough negotiations and by our business deals, even if it ends good, but it's still a negotiation. There's more to life. It's about using your business to be a catalyst, a springboard for bringing light, generosity, kindness in this world. He built an ark. Over the years, and I know him quite a while, he's had his troubles, his difficulties. But the ark that he built has changed not just his interactions in business, but his very life, because he is not defined by the flood, the flooding rage waters around him. He defines it now. And he's told this to me many times. He says, not only did it not hurt my business and made it grow, but it did something even more for me. I found myself. Because till then, I was defined by my successes or failures at work, my performance. Now I'm defined by the soul within me. And it was all due to the words he read in the book, the words that empowered him. So words are more than just words. We're talking about special words, soulful words. And my book is just an example, and I hope it lives up to that purpose. What these words do is they give you Essentially, there's like an armor, for another way to put it, armor, but good armor, soulful armor. They protect you, they surround you. Their ideas and their values and their beliefs that are conveyed through these words and these letters become your ark. So no matter what is happening around you, you are in your protective ark. 
You engage in the world, but you remain above it. And you don't, you're not defined by it. That's the difference between a drowning person and a person who doesn't drown. One is navigating the waves and the other is overwhelmed by the waves. And that is, my friends, a tremendous tool. It goes back thousands of years. Teva. To build yourself an ark. And that ark will serve you. Serve your children. Serve your families. Whoever you may be, whatever situation you're in, every one of us can use this. So the next step is to find those words. Where do you begin? Well, since I'm speaking, try Toward a Meaningful Life. Try some other books, some, some of the other things I've written. But, but that's no, I'm no, no monopoly over words that can protect you. It's just that I'm sharing words that right now, and hopefully these words themselves will help create that type of um, uh, insulation, oasis, or the different words we can use. And allow you to be greater than you can ever be. So find words. Find words that resonate with you. That's the key thing to look for. Don't force it. Read something. Something speaks to your heart. Put it aside and say, you know, this is something I should return to. And I'm not talking about just words of inspiration or words that entertain you. I'm talking about lasting words. Eternal words. They have a certain power to them. Because they create a narrative. That's what words do. A narrative that, in, that when added to your natural narrative of your life, of the things you're already involved in, create that layer, that armor, that protection, that protective layer that allows you to navigate through life in a far different way. There's so many other lessons that can be learned from this, but I wanted to keep it focused to this key point because it's so vital. And I sometimes take it for granted myself. I'm a man of words. I write, I teach, I speak, I, t- I uh, study. And yet you don't always appreciate it until you step back. And I was thinking about it, especially in this period in time, the COVID era, and all the other confusions around it, the media, and you start saying, where am I getting my information from? How do I know what's true? This one says one thing, this one says another. The political polarization. I mean, the list goes on. So if we ever needed protection, immunization, we need it now. And I actually don't like the word protection because I'm not suggesting protecting from an enemy. I'm suggesting really something that is healthy and needed, even if there was no raging floodwaters, but especially when they are. And it's vital, especially with our children growing up in this era, where everything is coming and streaming to them on their phones, on other devices, social media, so much, so much, and all of it is overwhelming. A lot of it is junk, frankly, and nonsense. I remember reading an article by uh, William Sapphire. You may remember him. He was a columnist years ago in the Times. And when the information revolution was taking hold through the Internet, through the web, through technologies, I remember him writing that there was a time where journalists, their strength was that they were able to find a scoop a piece of news, an inside piece of information no one else had. It says, now the opposite is happening. All that ever made information is being, available, is being made available to everyone. So he says, what will be our role? Good journalists, he says, we will be information traffic police. To filter through it all and find what is vital to you. The exact opposite. It was a time we had much less information and the key was to find the piece of information. 
Now we have so much information, the key is to, how do you discover in the deluge, yes, in the flooding rage waters of all this information, how do you discover what is important and what is not? That is only by surrounding yourself with words that give you direction and vision and mission and purpose and guidance in life. So then, when you're faced with a lot of information, you can filter through it. You can rummage through it and say, okay, here is what is vital. Here's a priority. This is a means and this is an end. To be able to create that type of prioritization and clarity. That's where we are today. So we have this lesson that is so vital all times, but especially today more than ever. And can literally change your life. So that's the lesson. Help. I'm drowning. Yes, we're all drowning in some ways. The best help we can do is not just throw you a, uh, a life raft, but to actually help you build a life raft, to help you build an ark. And remember, as they say, the ark was created, the ark was built by an amateur. The Titanic was built by professionals. The great Titanic was brought down by the Atlantic Oceans, by an iceberg, and then by the ocean. The ark was built by an amateur. Noah didn't know how to build an ark. But what he had was direction. He had divine inspiration. He had words to work with. And that's the key difference. The Titanic was the most mighty ship at the time. Unsinkable, they called it. But that exactly is why that, is, that arrogance is exactly what caused it to be sinkable. Didn't have enough life rafts, lifeboats, didn't have all the proper preparations. It was a certain overconfidence. And nature overwhelmed it. So when you start building your life around your material successes, or you convince yourself, I'm a self-made person, that's, your first, that's the first mistake. An ark, the words, holy, sacred words that surround us, is what creates also the humility and the openness to a higher state of consciousness and awareness. That's not about you. I don't care how big of a ship you create. It has to be a ship that has that humility. That's not about you, that there's more to existence than you. And when you have that surrounding you, that's indestructible. Indeed indestructible. And you see that throughout history, the things that are eternal, eternal truths, immortal ideas, are the ones that are surrounded by an ark. And that's what allows it to ride through any given situation and survive. The great nations through history, whether it was the Romans or the Babylonians or the Persians or the Egyptians or the Spanish Empire, they're all gone because they grew by their own technologies and their own devices and then they died by it. Like They won by the sword and then they lost by the sword, their own egos, because they felt their strength was coming from their own power, from their armies, from their wealth. That's not where strength comes from. That's not where resilience comes from. It comes from the ark of the holy words that we surround ourselves with. And indeed, there's actually a Jewish custom that when a child is born, you surround the child with words, Hebrew words. So my dear friends, this is an excellent opportunity to begin anew. Make a resolution. Find words. If you have them already, great. We can always use more. 
And we could always renew them. You want to continuously, not just rely on words that you've had in the past, but things you read every day, that you study every day, that you emote with, that you connect with on a daily basis. It will do more for you than you do for it. It will create that beautiful arc for you, for your loved ones, that allow you to travel everywhere, but you have the arc that surrounds you. It can be invisible to many, but it's not invisible to you because it's what you surround yourself with. I remember when I was in uh, yeshiva in school, so one of the suggestions our mentors would tell us is that when you walk in the street, even for whatever it may be, always have words in your mind to think about. Memorize words, which I did. It was one of my work that I did was memorizing, remembering. But it wasn't just about remembering. It was what you live with. So when anything going on around you distracts you, you have those words that you can ride on. And literally ride on. So that is an additional suggestion within the general suggestion about words. To have them with you all the time. Certain, certain phrases, statements. Birth is God saying you matter. The soul never dies. I mean, there's so many different expressions. Keep them with you. Be cognizant of them. Turn to them when you need them. And they will, in turn, help you float, help you rise above, transcend the flooding rage waters that so often have the power to deluge us, to overwhelm us. May you be blessed finding those words, the protective garments that allow you to not be impacted by the raw and harsh elements around us. And may be blessed to also be elevated by those waters once you have that ark. This has been Simon Jacobson, MeaningfulLife.com, our website, where you can find many more resources and tools and life skills that help us deal with the floods around us, help us grow, help us deal with any of our challenges. Check it out. Please share this. Please, above all, I'd love to hear your comments, feedback, thoughts, suggestions. Be blessed. Stay healthy. Have your ark always available to protect and elevate you in every given circumstances. May we not have to face floodwaters. May we not have to face any type of losses or pain or suffering. But when it does come our way, any force that may overwhelm us, we have our ark ready. God bless you. Be well. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.